Thank you for joining us this October 18th of 2020 for the First Love Podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois. Our first scripture reading is from Corinthians 3, 12 through 17. Our gospel reading is Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Reverend Jonathan Warren's sermon title is Change the Paradigm. Special music is Come Christians Join to Sing, performed by our church handbell choir. We pray that you have a prosperous, peace-filled week. God bless, be safe, and be healthy. Let us prepare our hearts for scripture by saying the prayer for illumination together. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The scripture reading is from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Let us listen to the word of God. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you to our bell choir. Our gospel lesson for today comes from Matthew chapter 22, beginning with the first verse. Let us listen to the word of God. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. They made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, All the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have to admit, I don't think I'd ever willingly preach this text uh, Clever people a long time ago made something called the lectionary, and over a three-year period, it goes through all the Gospels, all the major Scripture lessons, and this is one of them. If you ask folks about their favorite parables, the wedding banquet with the angry king who kills people left and right isn't one of them, does it? Does it ever really come up for folks when you ask them about their favorite parable? Maybe some people but not most. Now, I just want to put that disclaimer out there before we head into the sermon, but I like a good challenge, and I'm not running away from it, so we're in for a ride today. Now, one could certainly just avoid the controversial scriptures altogether. It's a clever strategy, especially during the middle of a pandemic, uh, or really any time, but then you'd have to skip over like 20% of the Bible. Am I right? Whenever you have a challenging or controversial text, I'm sure you've read them time and again, the best thing to do is ask the basic questions. Who, what, where, when, and why? So whenever you have some questions, just think of those basic things. Who are the characters here? Who, and the audience, who's, who's Jesus talking to? What's happening before and after this reading? When and where is this happening? Why is Jesus sharing this? They're the basic questions, right? If you just peruse the Bible headings before and after this text, you discover something very interesting. 
In the chapter right before, chapter 21, my Bible heading states, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. We all know that, right? Palm Sunday. That's what's happening right before this reading, which means Jesus is sharing this parable at the beginning of Holy Week. Who and where? Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders in the temple. He's in Jerusalem, and he only has a few days left before he's crucified. So he has limited time. This is his last chance to convince the people in charge of the kingdom of God. So he shares many parables to an audience who doesn't like him at all. And today's parable is about a king who has a wedding banquet for his son. Now Jesus explains that the king sends invitations to certain guests, but they're refused. And the king sends out more invitations, sharing how awesome this wedding banquet is going to be, but they're too busy. And then they become pretty brutal. The invited guest sees his servants mistreating and killing. Now this is when the king strikes back. But what happens next, like I said in the children's time, is the crux of Jesus' entire ministry and the message. The angry king opens the invitation to everyone, the, the good and the bad. Now to throw one more wrench into the story, Jesus ends the parable with the king getting pretty angry when one of the guests doesn't wear a wedding robe. The king throws him into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So instead of a happily ever after kind of ending, it's more like a drop the mic kind of ending, right? Now this is when a good commentary is required even for your pastor. Because at this point, we need a super smart theologian to explain these things. One scholar explains it this way. Gospel living only begins with the invitation. It cannot remain a mere idea. It's sine qua non, is a transformed life. So the only way to understand this impossible parable is with fancy theological Latin words like sine qua non, right? Which I had to look up, and it means an essential condition or a thing that's absolutely necessary. So gospel living only begins with the invitation. It cannot remain a mere idea. Its essential condition is a transformed life. Now, in our Colossians reading for today, Paul tells us to clothe ourselves with Christ. Clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. To bear and forgive. But above all, to clothe ourselves with love. Though many have been called or invited by God, only a few will live this new way, this transformed life putting on the banquet, wedding banquet clothes of forgiveness and love. But since Jesus' audience is filled with religious leaders trying to crucify him, Jesus ends the parable with a mic drop. A guest bound in the darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Boom. 
Now, for all those like me who still don't get it or whose eyes just glazed over, don't worry. Another scholar explains it with a sports analogy. When the king's first invited guest refused his invitation, he did what most coaches on sports teams will do. He shifted the lineup that was on the field. When a coach believes that the players in the game at any moment have lost their energy or their focus or their desire to win, the coach doesn't just concede the game to another team. The coach is more likely to bench those who were playing and put somebody else in the game instead. When Siobhan and I were dating, we went to go see the movie Miracle. It's about the men's U.S. hockey team in the 1980 Winters Olympics. Uh, I know some of you lived it and might have remembered it even. Uh, since this was the year I was born, it was new to me, and it was thrilling. I was on the edge of my seat the entire movie. If you remember, it was in the middle of the Cold War. The Soviets won the gold medal five out of the six Winter Olympic Games. That's like 20 years, right? In 1980, they were the favorites to win once more in Lake Placid. The beginning, Coach Herb Brooks, who won three NCAA championships, meets with the U.S. Olympic Committee to convince them of his strategy. The only way to beat them, he basically says, is to change the paradigm. He said, change the way we train, train, the way we prepare, even change our schedule, longer, tougher, much more competitive matches. We have to change the way we play the game and adopt a new style. Now, the professional all-stars the U.S. team sent in the past Olympic Games couldn't win because all-star teams rely solely on individual talent. Soviets win because they take that talent and use it inside a system for the betterment of the team. He ends up getting the job as head coach and changes the paradigm completely. His team, he uh, trains, goes harder and longer, he even adds more to the team so they never know when they're going to be cut for the Olympic and they consisted exclusively of young, amateur players. In changing up the paradigm, just before heading to Lake Placid, Coach Brooks had his team play an exhibition game against the Soviets at Madison Square Garden. And the Soviets manhandled the young American team, winning by a score of 10-3 to 3 and injuring one of their best players. Then in the first game of the Olympics, the U.S. team trailed Sweden until the last minute of the game. With less than a minute remaining in the third period, Team USA finally scores to tie the game. This exhibition game and the first game of the Olympics shook them just enough to jolt them. They started winning. The U.S. hockey team finally makes it to the first medal round game against the Soviets. Some of you might remember this game. It was insane. Uh, within the first minutes, the Soviets score their first goal, but the American team fights back with a goal of their own. Then the Soviets score again to retake the lead, and with less than one second left in the first period, the Americans score to tie. This young U.S. hockey team is holding their own against the Soviets, and with less than 10 minutes left in the game, the Americans hold a lead of 4 
to 3. And for those last nail-biting, excruciating minutes, they have to keep the Soviets from scoring. And goalie Jimmy Craig blocks every shot the Soviets attempt. And the Americans hold off the Soviets to win the game. They completed one of the biggest upsets in sports history. From there, the Team USA goes on to win the gold medal. The only way the Team USA could win the gold in 1980 Winter Olympics was to completely change the paradigm. Now, the best part, probably for Siobhan, was that by the end of the movie, I was so into it, right there in the theater, clapping and cheering out loud for all to hear. So we ended up buying the movie, and now I get to cheer all the more. The Big C Church has been pretty stuck. It doesn't look or sound much different than did 100 or 200 years ago. There's probably uh, some new music, some of the ways we communicate has changed. But overall, the, the church hasn't really changed that much. That is until we experienced a worldwide pandemic. I mean, closing the building on Easter was quite a change to the paradigm, wasn't it? Every church has been forced to change the paradigm, whether we like it or not. Now the truth is, Jesus' parable reminds us this, that God changes the paradigm. God has invited us all to be part of the great wedding banquet, and all means all. The good and the bad And today, for the first time ever, we are scattered beyond the church walls. We're living into a changed paradigm. I love that there are some joining us from online in Jacksonville. There's some in Bolingbrook in Chicago, North Carolina, Florida, Colorado, California. Some are worshiping with us right now from Germany and Afghanistan. In fact, I want all those who are worshiping online to type right now, while we're worshiping, uh, where, you, where you are. Even if it's in our town, or if, even if you shared it earlier, tell us again. Just type so all can see how our doors have literally opened for all. A few weeks ago, I heard an exhausted pastor and friend say this. She's tired. She realized her limits. She said, I can't do it all. She told her church this. And she said the most essential thing for spiritual survival, for her, for her church, especially during this pandemic, is extending grace and forgiveness sharing joy, love, and generosity. That's it. In a time when our lives have been altered and changed, God's invitation cannot remain a mere idea. It's sine qua non. It's essential condition. It's transformed life. 
welcome of peace and forgiveness, of joy and love. Things have been different in these days. Church has been different. It's certainly not easy to live in the middle of a paradigm change. But the flip side of it is, this is an exciting time to be part the church of Jesus Christ. So you don't have it all together. Take a deep breath. Neither do any of us. Life transformed, live transformed, and, and extend grace and forgiveness to yourself, to others. Transformed living looks for God's joy in the midst of trials. Is being kind to ourselves and generous to others. And most of all, living into this call, wearing Christ's clothes, we discover that God loves us just the way we are, the good and the bad. God has changed the paradigm. Know this. Know that you are loved and share this love throughout all the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you found this material inspiring and would like to support our ministry here at First Love from the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, please send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You can also contribute through your financial institution, through bill pay. And if an account number is necessary, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number at First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org That's O-F-F-I-C-E at F-I-R-S-T P-R-E-S J-A-X dot O-R-G You can join our live stream video of Sunday services which start at 9.55 a.m. on Sunday at www dot facebook dot com slash first pres jacks that's www dot facebook dot com slash first pres jacks we also have a facebook page called presbyterians with a purpose at www dot facebook dot com slash groups slash two two one seven six one three eight two two seven one one five three slash Presbyterians for a Purpose is a group for anyone needing to get in contact with someone else during these challenging times. If you wish to attend our 10 a.m. services 
on Sunday in person, please come in the north door. A nurse will take your temperature. The nurse will then press a button to open the door to limit touching surfaces. Another volunteer will open the inner door. While moving around, please wear your mask. Once seated, you can remove your mask. We pray you have a safe, joyful, and healthy week. God bless.